Kia ora. Welcome to RNZ's Insight Programme. I'm Philippa Tolley. This week, a blue skies ahead for the West Coast. After years of struggling to carve out a new identity and stem a population exodus, the West Coast looks like it might be about to turn a corner. It's pushing low house prices and a government-backed economic development plan aimed at growing jobs as ways to attract a much-needed population influx. But there are warnings over being too optimistic. From its landscape to its problems, there's nothing subtle about the West Coast. A lack of economic diversity means failures have brought large-scale hardship. But last month, when the country was besieged by a winter blizzard, the government launched a $37 million development plan in the country's only sunny region that day. I'm Tracy Neal, and this insight explores whether the coast could be on the brink of an economic reform that focuses less on what it can extract and more on what it can add. We got the mighty southern elms and the rugged Tasman Sea. Mickey and Doreen Ryan have been trying to sell their freshly painted four-bedroom Westport bungalow for a few months now. They want to downsize from the 1,000-square-metre property and free up some cash from their bottom-line price of $285,000. Mr Ryan is a former coal miner and an example of a local who's turned to a new future. His CV includes a Queen's Honour for his role in setting up a deep-sea fishing school, and he now runs a tourism company taking people on scenic trips to mining sites. He says a declining property market has been the norm for a few years now, driven by what he sees as a series of problems linked to the amount of land locked up by the Crown. To me, I actually blame successive governments for what's happened here. To be quite honest, 87% of the West Coast is locked up in Dock Estate. No region in New Zealand survives on 13% of rates. And this is where we've had a raw deal. Mr Ryan says there's also been the lack of foresight and planning over local industries like mining. They've had boom and bust, which you're going to get, but they never ever planned for it. There's never ever been a royalty paid on the coal, even a dollar a tonne. Over the years, that would have slid us through the downs because you're always going to get them. And you never only got them in the mining industry. I was involved in the venison industry. That was boom and bust. You know, people went out and invested in helicopters and everything else, and all of a sudden the rug was pulled from under it, you know. The coast is defined as much by misty, dramatic scenery as the commodities mined, milled and milked from this remote area barricaded behind the Southern Alps. Coal was first dug up in the 1840s and then gold in the 1860s. The gold rush created a population boom that pushed the number of residents to around 29,000 people by 1867, only slightly fewer than today. The Grey District Mayor, Tony Coxhorn, says the environment that shaped these industries also shaped the people and a certain local patriotism. The character of the people is moulded around the geographics of the West Coast, the disasters, all of those problems we have here with the weather, the flooding, uh, and that makes the people a little bit special. 
Anika Pugh, who comes from the small inland Buller district town of Reefton, says the population has been moulded by the struggle to get by, but also a relentless loyalty to the local community. As the town clock near Westport's Memorial Park marks out the hour, Ms Pugh describes the sorts of battles she thinks makes coasters special. And I think of all the things we've had to go through over the years fighting to keep our services. I particularly recall when I was 10 in Reefton, they wanted to close down the Reefton Hospital and the town formed a human chain right around the whole hospital. Ms Pugh worked as a graphic designer in Nelson, but she has returned to the coast to bring up a young family and, as it turns out, advance a career opportunity. She's recently stepped down as an executive assistant to the Buller District Mayor Gary Howard to take up a cadetship as the council's trainee civil engineer. It's the sort of flexibility that she doesn't think would happen in bigger centres. At 39 years of age, she says the coast has been through a lot, even in her lifetime. I don't know whether we've always been on the back foot, but we've always had to have a bit of a scrap over something. You know, I've always had to struggle for something um, and really get our point across because there's not many of us, you know, for the size of our, our area. Um, we have to speak out to have a bit of clout. A high-profile television producer and businesswoman has another view on what shaped her in particular. Dame Julie Christie grew up in a small rural area inland from Greymouth and has recently turned her attention back to her home turf. She's been appointed to the Board of Development West Coast, a charitable trust that supports business and employment opportunities. Julie Christie was five when her father died and was one of seven children under 12 her mother raised alone. Really when it comes down to it, um, what shapes you is the strength of your mother. And that's what shaped me more than anything. She was a very, um, you know, not a terribly outgoing woman, quite shy, um, but very much, you know, in the home, you know, an incredible hard worker. And so, yeah, you just get a work ethic that has stayed with me forever. Dame Julie went to school in Greymouth but left when she was 17. Efforts have been made over the past 30 years to stem the flow of people out of the district. Job losses linked to the decline in coal mining began as a trickle and then a flood with the breakup and sale of New Zealand's largest mining company, Solid Energy. It has gone from being the country's largest coal producer to what will be 35 people in an office at the end of August. The sale has been managed in stages and remains controversial. Mr Coxhorn, who's the son of a coal miner, has seen the good times come and go. We had a great run between about 2003 right through to about 2010 where the coast had finally got on a roll, house prices went up, there was lots of jobs. He says the Pike River mining tragedy in 2010 has all but spelled the end of underground mining. By last year, employees at the Stockton mine alone had fallen from 1,100 to just over 204 years. By the end of June last year, 600 jobs and 50 million in annual wages had been slashed from the Buller District economy in just two years. The loss of wholesome cement in Westport contributed to the havoc. The coast's population has dropped from 40,000 over three decades to 33,000 people at last census. Mr Coxhorn says the repercussions have been enormous. Property prices go through the floor, everything collapses, you export your kids for jobs and it's quite 
hard and you've got to be resilient to get through it all. Census figures also show that of almost 14,000 houses on the coast, close to 3,000 are unoccupied. Last year, the average house value was $215,000 and average weekly rent was $237, a little over half the national average. Ironically, the coast has the country's lowest unemployment level, currently 3%. But Mr Coxhorn says this needs to be seen in context. I had working income here just a few weeks ago, and the first thing they said to me was that, hey, we've got good news, the unemployment is down to 3%. To that I said, ooh, are you sure about that? And when we had a good look at the figures, sure, the unemployment was 3%. But what's been happening over the last few years is under government subsidies, they've been taking a lot of our young people out of the region and putting them into the earthquake recovery rebuild in Christchurch and now at Kaikoura. So, yes, our unemployment is 3%, but sadly we're losing a lot of our workers to the East Coast. At the same time, there's a quiet revolution happening. So, 400 square metres on this ground floor and then we've got another 400 square metres. In a modular office in central Westport, Natasha Barnes-Delica takes me on a tour of innovation hub Epic Westport, home to a group of businesses at which young professionals are huddled around. They're making drones, 3D printing technology, furniture with digital features, tech software and there's a menswear clothing subscription business. It also houses the digital tech company owned by Natasha's husband, Ben Delica. The specialist firm develops gaming software for global entertainment companies, including Disney and Sony. Ms Barnes-Delica says it's been a homecoming for her coast-born husband, and like hundreds of women before her who followed their men to the coast, she's had to carve out a niche for herself. Some reactions are a little bit like, oh, that's quaint, or, oh, it won't be forever. <laughs> like, I actually really love it here. Um, I'd say most people, when we start talking about what we're doing, kind of um, get the sense that actually it's quite advanced, it's quite avant-garde to be moving to small towns, doing digital technology, and living this awesome life where you can go for a walk in the bush at lunchtime and go surfing after work. She says it's true that a broader population with a wider skill base is needed if the coast is to grow. It's a view shared by Dame Julie Christie, who says she's also attracted to the challenge of finding a way to harness the coast's potential. I'm driven a little bit by giving something back, but more by my absolute passion for economic development, and I love this country so much. I mean, when you choose to go on the flag consideration panel, clearly you love the country, <laughs> and you still think it was a good experience. Ms Barnes-Delica says they're aiming to work with Taipotini Polytech and other grad schools around the South Island to help transition people from traditional jobs into digital industry. You can travel all around this world and it will call you home That's where the West Coast She loves the coast, like singer-songwriter Katie Thompson from Hokitika, who has written music featuring the region she comes from. Natasha Barnes-Delica has become something of a poster girl for change on the coast. The Christchurch-educated politics and philosophy student ended up with a master's degree in international relations and worked overseas on disarmament and security matters. The 32-year-old has a special interest in ensuring the government lives up to its international obligation on its nuclear-free policy. 
She says the coast has a lot to offer, but also a lot to protect. I've always really loved the coast, um, and when I started thinking about the actual project, which is EPIC, it definitely aligned for me with wanting to create peaceful, resilient communities, and so I don't think the West Coast is going to launch into civil war anytime soon, but um, for me, I guess, you know, I'm passionate about environmental issues as well, and so building an economy based on cleaner technologies and creating job opportunities in rural centres, that really appealed to me. Coasters say another thing holding the area back is widespread public opinion about how it can and can't use resources in the area. Lately that's been a plan for a northern link road that would connect the coast with its neighbour in Nelson, Tasman. The idea has raised widespread concern about the prospect of a highway being ploughed through a portion of the Kahurangi National Park. Alarm bells are also ringing at the Buller Council's decision to allow a company to develop an open-cast mine near Westport. Mickey Ryan says coasters are a bit tired of being one of the districts that is supposed to maintain a pristine environment for the whole country. Fair enough, if they want to lock it up, and keep it like that and make us the conscience of New Zealand, pay for it, pay the rates, help the district out. But other than that, give us a hand. The government would argue that's exactly what it's done. At Greymouth's Thai Potini Polytech, students at a jade-making class were on show for government officials in town last month to launch a $37 million regional economic development package. The Tertiary Education Minister, Paul Goldsmith, chatted to students on his tour of the Polytech, which late last year signalled it was in trouble, prompting the appointment of a Crown Manager. All the very best. Mr Goldsmith, who is also the Minister for Science and Innovation plus Skills and Employment, says the economic development package is part of a nationwide response to bolstering the regions. Mr Goldsmith says the $11 million research institute is the third of its type in New Zealand. He says its focus will be about finding a way to take minerals from their raw state to materials. So what we're talking about is uh, looking at a number of things that we could do to add values to, to the minerals that are in this region. So the, the three specific things that... Uh, that this uh, institute is proposing to look at first are uh, some of the rare earth uh, minerals, uh, trying to purify those uh, for use in potential uh, things like magnets, uh, also trying to extract tungsten from uh, gold mining uh, residue, uh, and then thirdly um, looking at uh, the development of uh, carbon foam, uh, which is uh, an interesting new product. What's that? Uh, I thought you might ask me that. I don't claim any great scientific expertise, but I understand it's a very lightweight uh, material that can be derived from, from carbon, which, which has potential uses, uh, uh, such as insulation and some high-value products. The West Coast Economic Development Plan is built on five priorities aimed at lifting economic growth and job creation. Buller's Mayor Gary Howard, who was at the launch in Greymouth, says it's a nod to a region that punches above its weight in terms of economic output per person. He says it also throws down the gauntlet to the coast to work smarter around how it manages its primary products and to ensure its environmental standards are a lot higher. 
It really means to say, finally, we're going to be looking at uh, creating businesses that will do secondary processing and not just export the raw product, uh, things like activated carbon or carbon fibre. And there's a whole, it's not just coal, it's about a whole lot of uh, resources. And uh, there's plenty of scope on the West Coast with ilmenites and all sorts. The head of one of the coast's most fervent environmental watchdog groups applauds the idea of exploring added value in the minerals sector, but reckons $11 million is a bit over the top. Forest and Bird Chief Executive Kevin Haig questions why a couple of extra staff at Development West Coast with access to Google couldn't do the job instead. But it's an encouraging sign of change that may lead to a resurgence for the region. Mr Haig remembers when it was almost a lynching offence to suggest that the coast needed a plan to replace coal mining. Mr Goldsmith says it's too soon to say just how many jobs might be created by the Institute. It's more about uh, building the blocks uh, for what we hope may be our future industries. And you know, As you know, uh, science and R&D is... is uh, a speculative exercise in the sense that you're, 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 you're looking, you're, you're creating what you hope will be opportunities and uh, more the investment that is made, the greater the likelihood of uh, opportunities down the line. The Coast's long-serving Labour MP Damien O'Connor says the $37 million is not to be sneezed at but a careful breakdown of what's in the package shows it mainly bolsters existing industry. The new Research Institute is a new uh, initiative um, and I think it is to be welcomed and I think we've talked for a long time on how we can get better value from uh, the resources we have. Um, it's probably come about 30 years too late and, and many of those resources have already been exploited. Mr O'Connor believes there are other industries with more potential that have been missed off the list. As an example of one of the, the areas of huge potential in my view is the opportunity to go out for bluefin tuna. In the season, people would come to Greymouth or to Westport, hang around until the weather's right and go out and catch the fish and spend their money here. But I fear that it's been a, a bit narrowly focused and we're going to have to build on it as people on the ground into what has been effectively a political exercise. He says it's possible the idea of developing recreational fishing tours might be captured under the Tourism Development Banner, which is included in the package. Tourism is seen by many on the coast as a panacea to its troubles. Just ask anyone in the street where its future lies. Well, I'd like to think it's in tourism. They're looking more probably its future with tourism, I suppose. You know, like with a lot of the primary industries closing down. I don't see it in coal, I see it in um, tourism and farming. In tourism, because it's a beautiful area for people to visit. Government figures show that tourism expenditure grew in most regions over the year to January 2017, but it was fastest in Nelson, followed by the West Coast. Tourists visiting the coast spent almost $500 million in those 12 months, or 13% more than the year before. But Mickey Ryan, who's been in tourism a few years now, reckons it will only ever be a summer industry. The rest of the year getting an income for some can be difficult. That struggle can be seen in the empty and unloved buildings off the main streets of the region's towns. In Greymouth, it's also in the shoppers rifling through the ample supply of second-hand goods for sale at the Salvation Army store. Its welfare office says the coast faces the same problems as everywhere else, 
the rising cost of living and not enough jobs. Sharon McAuliffe says that on average they're helping around 17 families each month, but over winter that figure has jumped by 10 more families they've not seen before. You know, time was when people coming for food parcels would almost always be people who are unemployed, but now we're often seeing people on seasonal work, people on lower paid jobs, yeah. Captain McAuliffe says the problems are the same on the coast as anywhere, the rising cost of living against static or no income. Yet a December 2016 government report shows average household incomes on the coast at almost $85,000 annually against a national average of $91,000. Meanwhile, house values and rental rates are among the lowest in the country. Captain McAuliffe says it's evident that the coast is attracting newcomers. There have been quite a, a lot of people who have moved here, but that, they're not necessarily the ones who are presenting. Some of them are people who've lived here all of their lives, and others are just people who, through one circumstance or another, sometimes it's family relationship breakdown, sometimes it's loss of work, sometimes it's just you know our medical things can interfere as well. While New Zealand as a whole is experiencing month-on-month record immigration, government figures show the coast gained just 75 more people in 2016. Amber Maxwell and her partner have just added to that number. The pair, in their 20s, has recently moved to Westport from Nelson where the cost of a rental was breaking them and it was getting harder to find a pet-friendly landlord. Zeus, their large and robust bouncy dog, now has a yard to run around in, a large playing field across the road and miles of windswept beach on which to roam. Ms Maxwell says the decision was driven also by her partner's work as a fisherman, but it wasn't an easy choice. We're quite a good working couple, so for someone like that to move down here, this is a great place to bring up kids, don't get me wrong, I've been told by many a people, but I just don't have my mum and I don't have it. His mum's not down here, so <laughs> it's a bit harder. In Nelson, Ms Maxwell worked in telesales and now works as an attendant at the nearby fuel station. She says since moving here, their living costs have halved. They're paying $180 weekly for a two-bed flat in Westport and have considered buying just to get on the property ladder. There are actually really good houses down here, especially out Carter's Beach. There's a few that are really lovely, and they are dropping their prices after a few years of being empty, but, yeah, it's just it's a slow-growing community, I think, and it would be good to get a few more new faces down here. But there are some things she does miss. A night out is usually a steak at the local and rugby on big screen television. All the boat boys go there, I think, and watch the rugby too. Do you like rugby? Oh, I used to cheerlead for the Tasman Marcos, so yeah, I should, I should probably say that I do. <laughs> and I used to play, so yep. <laughs> Mayor Tony Coxhorn says for the coast to attract more people, it needs to spruce up its image. He's even tried changing the name of Greymouth to Marfera. The word Marfera, I think, is a nice name. It's better than Greymouth. I'm proud of Greymouth. But I think from a marketing point of view, we'd be better off with Marfera. Are you going to try again? Once bitten, twice shy. In the meantime, a number of large-scale infrastructure projects have been ticked off the wish list, including the $78 million Grey Base Hospital currently under construction. Uh, we have built new aquatic centres here, a new stadium here, we've renewed all our sewer schemes here, we've got the highest standard of drinking water here now. 
we have to make our town attractive. We have to change it from a 150-year-old coal mining town to an attractive town. We're building a brand new town square right at the moment, $1.8 million. So we are up for that transition that will make people look at Greymouth and say, I want to live there. Council reform is seen as a platform for supporting economic development on the West Coast. The region is divided among the Westland, Grey and Buller districts, each with its own council which operates under the umbrella of the West Coast Regional Council. The entire rates pool comes from 23,000 properties spread over an area that extends the same distance as Wellington to Auckland. The Local Government Commission is in charge of the reorganisation process triggered by public request and a petition for a single unitary council for the whole of the West Coast. A compromise that addresses concerns over loss of representation under a single council and one that cuts down on expensive duplication of services is more likely. The Buller District Council's Chief Executive Andy Gowland-Douglas explains. Shared services is definitely the way of the future and it just makes good economic and business sense. I mean, we're, we're all small, um, get economies of scale by joining together. We also get to have higher levels of expertise. We can buy somebody in at a higher school level and have them work across the councils that we couldn't afford to have individually. Mrs Gowland-Douglas is another recent arrival on the coast. She's a former chief executive of North Island Iwi, Ngāti Rangi, with expertise in community development. Mrs Gowland-Douglas would like to see the adoption of an iwi approach to planning that she says is important to the coast's long-term future. I think the biggest difference in the iwi world, their vision is, is hundreds of years. The iwi I worked for, we had a vision that was a thousand years out into the future. And so I guess that's the understanding when you have a very strong connection to the land. Um, it's a very, very long-term custodial view. She says success will rely on reinventing a mindset around the economy. Mrs Gowland-Douglas says turning around hundreds of years' focus on extractive industries won't happen overnight. But it has begun with the emergence of technology and innovation hubs such as Epic Westport and a similar business in Greymouth. Back at Taipotini Polytech, as the delegation strode through classrooms and workshops, Dame Julie Christie was reflecting on her latest career move. Development West Coast is a charitable trust set up several years ago to manage income from a $92 million government fund. The money was compensation for the phasing out of native logging operations on state-owned forests and the handing of state coal mines to solid energy. The trust has worked closely with the group that formulated the economic action plan. Dame Julie still has a house on the coast, which she visits as often as she can, along with family who are still in the district. She says the coast is challenged by a lack of population growth, but it's encouraging there is finally a plan. I mean, it's, it's very good to see the focus on regional economic development because you know, Auckland gets a lot of attention, you know, an enormous amount of attention, as does Christchurch, you know, and there are other places, and, you know, and the West Coast is challenged because it doesn't have a population growth. The best thing is that finally there is a very definite plan, um, and it's up to Development West Coast to look into the feasibility of that plan and to how we'll implement that plan. Dame Julie says what it needs now 
as the right people to see it through. My whole career in television, I always see people went, oh, I've got this great idea. And I went, you know what, the idea is 5%, the execution is 95 So you can have all the potential and all the ideas in the world, but someone's got to execute them, and it relies on the great ex- executors, really. I'm Tracy Neal, and that's Insight for this week. You can share and podcast this and other insights from rnz.co.nz forward slash insight or head to iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. That programme was produced by me, Philippa Tolley, with technical production by Phil Benj. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at insightrnz. And thanks to singer-songwriter Katie Thompson for sharing her music. Great to have you with Insight. Thanks for listening.